2: Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and today I am your host, Amrit Sandhu. We have the immense pleasure of welcoming on Lachlan Winner. G'day, Lachlan.
1: How are you, mate? I'm so happy to finally amazing. be here.
2: Amazing. amazing, A treat to have you. Lachlan's the host of a podcast called The Freedom Project. Do check it out. Um, he's an Aussie. He's been living as an expat in South Korea for some time. In his previous life, he was a natural resources lawyer. The hippie in me loves that. And uh, <laughs> he left that journey and uh, he left that and began a journey of entrepreneurship about seven, seven, eight years ago now. And uh, from there, he's he's gone and um, into restaurants, bars, mining, trading, wave technology, redox batteries, fitness companies. I'm not sure there's not much he hasn't uh, dabbled in and had a look at. And uh, since then, he's built three companies from the ground up, and he's still very much involved in those bench, uh, ventures. And uh, recently, I guess the the podcast journey has been the one that's uh, that's really drawn me into you here, Lachlan. And uh, he's found himself overwhelmed in the last few years, uh, just chasing financial success, um, and he's watched his uh, his personal health spiral out of control in that sort of in that time. And uh, so now he's on a path of unshackling himself from a very busy lifestyle. And uh, and that gives way to the Freedom Project, and now he's on a path to help others, not just himself, uh, liberate themselves from living what he calls a prosaic life, which is a boring, boring, mundane life. So uh, welcome, brother. Great to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. What an introduction. Waxing quickly, <laughs> mate. That that was uh, rolled off the tongue very well. Thank you. It's
2: so what we do. We try to do the best we can here, trying to... Try and pro- provide for the listeners. Um, there's something that I've got. To, I'm just itching to, to to get out there. Is um, for those that haven't tuned into your podcast. I guess what I've what I've discovered is that you, the mission of the Freedom Project is to to live a life you do not need to take a vacation from.
1: Yes, that's that's and what we're uh, all looking for, really, aren't we? Nobody really totally, knows where bro. that destination is or how they get there, but we're all kind of looking for that in, in one way or another
2: for me that resonates like nothing else because the uh, the mission of the inspired evolution podcast is live a life that's empowered by the love for life so it's it's're it, we're, we're asking the same questions and putting forward the same I guess the same same sort of energy out onto this place and uh, um the the one thing that really really drew me in is uh people have often asked me about inspired evolution said you know like in a nutshell what are you, what are you trying to say in that you know live a life that's empowered by the love for life and I found myself referring to a metaphor, which I've, 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 you know, again, serendipitously, you use a lot. It's, it's the snooze clock. It's, oh, it's yes. the alarm. Oh. <laughs> it's a life where you know, it's the snooze. There's no, there's no idea of snooze anymore. It's I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to jump out of bed. What does that, what does that mean to you?
1: uh well the snooze i'm very very familiar with um and and familiar the word coming from family i feel like i'm almost family extended family of the snooze button i uh, you know for for quite some time i've discovered that uh notwithstanding the amount of work that is in front of me cut out for me there's always a good reason to hit the snooze button and take a little bit more time now you know, this never happens on the beginning of a new journey or a new venture. This always happens six months in, 12 months in, 18 months in, where you start losing the desire to uh, identify yourself with whatever the task is at hand. So for me, you know, I've I've hit situations where I've got, you know, 120, 130 staff who are at work earlier than I am. And, you know, as a leader, you're meant to lead by example, but I have more reason than my staff to hit the snooze button. Now there's many different reasons for that and one of it might be the difference between, you know, leaders dealing with uncertainty and, and uh staff needing to survive uncertainty. Um I lay awake of a morning taking more time than I need to to try and uh design my day and try and forecast what's in front of me, which is, you know, the reason for hitting the snooze button so long. Um but I think it's it's really a lack of that burning fire. That makes you go for the snooze button of the morning. I think that that's the the easiest way to explain it.
2: Something really interesting in that, and uh, is that I was listening to Simon Sinek. Uh, you might have heard of him. <laughs> Absolutely love Absolutely. the guy. Yeah. And uh, something he was uh, he was referring to is that um, you know, you've got CFOs and you've got all these C something O's, but the only ones that really don't have their um have their description in the job title is a CEO. Yeah. And, um, and he would like to change that to a CVO, which is a chief visionary officer. And it seems like you take the time in the morning to sort of get into your flow a little bit more so you can, so you can vision a little more. Is that, is that?
1: Yeah. The the CVO, that's, that's, um, it's, it's really, it's an ambitious title and it's where everyone hopes to finally find themselves when they start up a business. You know, the, the real job of a CEO is to kind of innovate. And inspire, I, I would say, right? Um, they're your two things that you need to do, but, uh, a lot of people actually find, end up finding themselves that they're just so busy working in the business. They don't ever get to work on the business. And the difference being, you know, working on the business, you have this, this, um, uh, foresight and, and direction where you want to take things. Whereas when you're working in the business, you are almost, you've got the blinkers on and you can't see anything at all. Um, and you're just kind of snowed in. So, the CVO is absolutely where all CEOs want to be, the visionary, but they end up finding that they're the chief janitor, the chief, you know, mail <laughs> delivery boy, the chief running to the bank, the chief kind of, you know, problem solver, the chief counselor of staff. And that's not where you ever want to find yourself.
2: Mm. So it's really interesting as well with, um, because you and I are in very different positions at the moment. I'm I'm still locked into my corporate nine to five. Uh, Will I work six to six? And I'm doing. I've got many other projects on the side happening at the same time. Um, and you're, you know, obviously leading leading companies. Um, but there is this very congruent thread between. Like the the energy towards creating something creative, our creative process of this podcast. Um, If I may take a bit of a leap and just sort of say that, obviously, you touched on it before, you know, the excitement when it dwindles, I'm really attracted to podcasting, obviously, because it's something that as I evolve and change it can evolve and change and the content around it can evolve and change and the excitement yeah, will continue to stay there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I'm really attracted to that. Um, but I, what I'm really fascinated by is the fact that, and I share this because um, my partner, she is in a similar situation to where you are, but we are obviously, she's in a very, yeah, she's basically where you are. And um, she has just left her job and she's exploring all these alternate um lifestyle patterns and like what she can create with her life and you're doing the same thing and I guess I'm looking for the same thing and what I've discovered and what your podcast is all about it's your freedom project this is my
1: comes from a very self selfish place actually yeah
2: well, isn't, isn't that interesting? Cause this is my inspired evolution. I'm here to inspire myself to evolve and you're there to free yourself through this project.
1: And it's that age old adage of, you know, you can't, you have to fill up your own cup before you can share that with others. Right. And so it's, it's kind of, we're, we're here to understand for myself, the freedom project and for you, the inspired evolution. But in, in, you know, in understanding that we can then, help share that with others. So it it does start from a bit of a selfish place, but uh, at the end of it, it, it's very philanthropic, I think.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned selfishness because it's something that I've had to sit with for a little bit. And um, the idea of, uh, even I've made a bit of a mantra out of it recently, but the idea of self-love and uh, just wondering like you know is it selfish to love myself you know it's to to do Absolutely something for myself not. first you know yeah yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. kind of been a i know you're on a massive spiritual journey at the moment as well mm. and um that's definitely been one of the one of the foundations of mine is just learning to to like love myself and not expect others to do that for me because that's not gonna it's gonna, gonna get messy from there.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, listen, it's, it's, um, it's codependence that, that makes us believe that it might be coming from a selfish place to first love yourself. It's when people are saying, Hey, uh, Amrit owes me something and he's not giving it to me at the moment. That's really selfish of him. Now standing back and. Been independent people, we look and say that the rising tide of Amrit will lift me and lift others around him as well. So we should support him in that and not see this as a as a selfish journey at all. And mm-hmm. and that's really the, the, that's that is the inspired evolution as well. That is the evolution of mind. That is where you know people go from being uh, you know codependent to standing on their feet, saying, "I want to." Meet Amrit in the middle of whatever our relationship is, and I come full with a full cup, as does he, and we share the best of what each other has to offer, as opposed to I come hoping that he has something to offer me.
0: Yeah, I totally
2: resonate with that. And that's yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. a question that I wanted to ask you especially is because it's a question I've been asking of myself and you know we're on a very similar journey here is um you know, at some point our evolution and our Freedom Project is going to is going to gain enough momentum for it to become and get the wings that that we, we envisioned it to have. We you know, we CVO'd this and um at that point you know, at what point do people with our agenda, do we lose touch to the people? Do you know what I mean? Because I know a big part of your message is to not just free yourself, but also to um, to help others on this journey. You know, there's there's a massive tribe mentality that, you know, it's not just for me. And, and I think that's the only way these things can succeed. I'm sure you feel the same way. Mm. Um My question is... How do you think, like, have you thought about it? Like, at some point that, you know, I'm going to disconnect out of everything that I'm not in congruence with into my inspired evolution or my freedom project. Will I, at that point, have left behind the people that I wanted to bring along with me? How do you foresee that?
1: Um It's a good question. Um, the easiest way to, to answer that is I think that there's always a vacuum effect with everything in the absence of one thing, something else appears. Um, so if, if I feel like I'm really, you know, setting out on a path and there's an end goal in mind. And when I reach that end goal, I look around and say, Oh, the people that were here with me at the beginning are no longer here. Um, but this was my goal. Then, you know, I will attract the people who have a shared vision. And, uh, so, you know it will be a process of of people coming and going um but hopefully it ends up with people who are very i don't want to say like minded because like minded sometimes leads us to a very comfortable and very content and boring place, but it's people who have a shared vision, let's say a shared vision of uh challenging themselves and wanting more so if people if I'm becoming more and more out of touch, then it's because I'm evolving in whatever direction. So hopefully it's the right direction.
2: I think that's really powerful what you shared there, brother. I think um, just uh, I'd like to touch on that for my listeners is um, is just you seem very comfortable with um, letting people come and go out of your life. Um, I'm sure you know some part of being where you are in your business, and you know I know you've worked on a lot of businesses, um, probably has has had that impact on you as well. Really getting comfortable with letting go because there's that adage which I've really adopted this year, which is you're the average of the five people you spend your time with.
1: I absolutely love that. Yep.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and just getting conscious about that, but then also realizing that you're in a consistent state of flux, you're in a consistent state of evolution and that will change. I just really, even as you were describing your process, um, you seem really at home with the realization that, you know, the people that are in your life now are not necessarily going to be the people in your life five years from now.
1: Yeah, um, correct. I, I think we are the sum of all the experiences that we we share, and those experiences come from people. No matter how long, important, insignificant they are in our life, we learn and take something away from everyone. <clears throat> and I think that you know Dan Pena, we're both uh, familiar with Dan Pena. One of his expressions, it's very similar to the "You're the sum of the five people, uh, you're five best friends." But he says, um, "Show me your friends, and I'll tell you your future." Now, that it does resonate with me because, you know, I'm not somebody who chases friends to level up at all, but I am very, very cognizant of the mindset that you surround yourself with. And, you know, one great example I always like to, to kind of bring up, um, Roger Bannister, uh, I don't know if he's uh, a name that's immediately familiar, but he is the man who broke the four-minute mile. And, Amazing. Right?
2: <laughs> that story goes
1: everywhere. It's so good, yeah. isn't it? Right? So, so yeah. no one could break the four minute mile and. You know, he had tried to do it... For ages for, ages, for ages, yeah. ages and ages and yeah. ages and ages. And, and, ages. And, and, you know, so for basically for 30 years, there were these kind of English college races, university races, and they were always trying to beat the, the four-minute mile. And the year preceding him breaking it, there was a German runner who came very, very close and just missed it by a few seconds. But the year that he broke the record, 18 other people broke the record within weeks of him breaking it. So it's one of those things that you kind of... It was impossible for him to do it. But then imagine you're a runner and you meet Roger Bannister down the pub one day and you and all your friends are saying, it's impossible. You can't do it. And he says, bullshit. It's possible. I've done it already. (laughs) And very, very quickly, your group of friends then start saying, hey, what we previously thought was impossible is now very, very possible. So I I really think, you know, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that some people will inspire you to push yourself, challenge yourself, and and level up your life. And other people will say, "Mate, that's a waste of time. You shouldn't be doing that. Never going to happen," you know. And and friends are friends, and friends are not business relationships. But I am cognizant of that fact. So as I evolve towards my goal of the Freedom Project, I will trust in the process that I will be attracting the right people into uh, into my life.
2: Totally, totally, mm. that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that just touching on the um touching on the Roger Bannister thing i think um yeah just it's a, it's a very loose question not very specific but i know you have plenty to talk about it is you know what role does does consciousness play
1: um you know, it's yes. a broad
2: it's a, yeah what? So what role does consciousness play
1: um, well, I think it's everything, you know, like, I think it's, it's being conscious of yourself. It's being conscious of how you are interconnected with everybody else. It's, it's something that, you know, people, I think everyone's on this journey and I think that wisdom comes along with, with consciousness and hopefully it comes with age. But, you know, I think it's one of these things that we either believe with what we can touch, see, smell, hear, uh, and that's all there is. Or we can say, Hey, maybe there's something a little bit more that we can tap into this kind of uh you know continual stream of energy vibration frequency and and let's let's label it and call it consciousness, but it's something that is infinite it's as infinite as space or time it's eternal, and so we can either You know, be in our unconscious bodies saying, Oh my God, I'm looking older. I've got more gray hair and I'm getting fat and, you know, I can't do the things that I could do before. Or we can say, Hey, I'm this stream of consciousness, this spirit, and uh, that will go on forever. Right. So I think that consciousness is something that once we tap into and really start understanding, we then become this kind of light that's this beacon of light for people around us and i think it's i think it's really without kind of uh trying to put something into so something so big into such a small box i think it's what purpose of life is about we have to understand ourselves and we need to try and tap into this great secret
2: Mm. that was beautiful (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to quickly like just just shift that real fast, but with the with the with the, with the idea of then what role does business play? Because obviously you know we we're talking a lot about you know consciousness is so big and so broad. Yeah. Obviously you've got this business prowess, and you know we're talking about a free future here. You know, so obviously you've got to change your consciousness. You've got to change the way you think, but then a lot of that has to be grounded in. And, you know, so what role does business play in a free future in your mind? You know, you, you, like you said, you orchestrate 130 staff and, you know, is that, is that part of the free future or,
1: um, you know, I think, I think it is, I, I, I try to bring this into what we do every day because I feel like when people aren't in flow states, they're just in drone states. And so they come to work every day going, Oh, this isn't me. This is, I'm much more than this. And, I'm watching the clock until I leave. So I, I try and inspire people to get into, you know, states of flow where they, they really feel like they're tapping into this stream of consciousness. Um, and it's obviously good for me. It's good for productivity. And it's good for them enjoying their life. But consciousness and business, excuse me, it's it's not easy. It doesn't matter, you know, consciousness in just human relationships or in business. These things, it's never easy. This is the the world's greatest challenge. But, um, you know, I think in in business, being able to separate, you know, yourself, your identity, and your business as an extension of who you are, as opposed to not who you are, um, is really really important with this consciousness. Now that's very vague so let me kind of try and give that some color um you know i've i've been in business i really truly see failure as the key to success and so i'm not afraid to say that i've failed in business before and uh, i've had many different ventures and some go well and some don't but one of the the greatest lessons i learned was to accept that business is not me. It's not my identity. My consciousness is something that that is a bridge between myself, my identity, and the extension of myself, which is my business. But it's not all one and the same. Because when I believe it's one and the same, I really start buying into this is me and everything that happens is a direct reflection to me. And I go into this place where the ego kind of takes over and I start thinking, how can people do this to me? This business is me and anything that happens to my business is a direct, uh, attack on me. So I think that, you know, in business, you really have to try and separate the two. I think it's, it's very, very, uh, difficult thing to do. And then the next level would be the consciousness of not just selling, but trying to, uh, bring something to the marketplace that, that inspires people and takes us, uh, you know, on a humanistic, uh, level to, to a better place that that's you know the the next level of of consciousness in business
2: right right so i guess contributing and you know providing value in the space from being the change that you wish to see and allowing that to sort of yeah right right yeah interesting it was a uh, the idea that perhaps um yeah uh that you are not your business is um yeah i can see i can see the healthy perspective in that um but then obviously there's, the con- I guess, the conscious business, which is, I'm not saying that the Freedom Project or Inspired Evolution are businesses, um, but they're, they're an investment of our time and our energy. Um, but there is some sort of, we're conscious, like we're willingly aligning ourselves to that project, yeah? Um, so instead of like, you're, you're disconnecting from one thing but then reconnecting on a deeper level to another thing.
1: Yeah, and, you know, even what we're doing like there's i think there's a it's hard to delineate but there is a difference between having passion for something and um and identifying with it as yourself like i think you know we we still have to kind of see or i do at the release that the freedom project is an extension of myself and it's uh it's a mirror on myself. It's something that I definitely am um, discovering myself for. But even if, for example, the Freedom Project, for whatever reason, doesn't really find traction and doesn't resonate with people... Um, touching wood, touching wood. Touching, touching wood. wood, as we yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs>
2: um,
1: You know, it's. I don't want to put the kibosh on myself here, but uh then it, it it will just be one of those things that this was an endeavor and it wasn't me that failed. It was... The idea of something that I wanted to extend and an extension of myself to other people that that didn't work for whatever reason
2: mm, interesting because you talk a lot about um i think uh just from what i've tuned in is a lot of it is about persistence though a lot of it is about saying persistent. Um, I guess the key values I, I see—just you know—anyone that tunes into you for even five minutes, you know, you're so strongly nested in your values, which are like adventure, exploration, um, and you know, survival and persistence, you know. And it's, and obviously, you know, spirituality is a wave that's coming through that at the moment, but you can definitely see the sense of adventure and persistence.
1: Yeah, well, they're the, they're the things that that one fuels the other, you know. The the adventure fuels the the tenacity to push on. And, uh, I think Jocko Willink says discipline is freedom. So it's, it's kind of that, that thing that that adventure allows me to, uh, to refresh myself, to come back and then put in the work that other people perhaps don't want to put in. Right. It allows you to, to be persistent because you want more of what you had on the other side, which was the freedom and the adventure.
2: I love that discipline is freedom. It's yeah, been such it's a beauty, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would yeah. You couldn't often, have told me
1: that at, ten years ago, but I truly. Yeah,
2: I know, and I, like it's amazing because I try to explain that to people, and they just look at me like I'm I'm still a bit frazzled, and <laughs> <Just> like, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So something, um, in that vein is you know something that really uh, intrigued me was you, you gave this metaphor about, um. You know, just looking at your day and just having a look at your day and then going and going, okay, if I multiply this particular day out 365 times. How did I contribute to my year? Like, and my goals for that year, you know? Do you want to, yeah, like, I'll let you talk to that because that's just beautiful, right? That's,
1: yeah. yeah, it's, it's something that I kind of try and do for myself as a little milestone to, to see if I'm on course or off course. But, you know, we all have good and bad days, but I, I try and look at something like chunk it down to perhaps a week or, you want to stretch it out to a month and say, you know, the sum of these days, is it going to get me any closer to my goal? And if my goal is something that I truly, truly want, then what am I doing? Right. So it's, it's just a way to, to have a look at it because sometimes, you know, there's, there's a lot of us and I've certainly been in this boat before, but there's a lot of us who sit there thinking I've got these goals and there's no way I can ever get closer to it. And we sometimes we feel helpless and we wonder why we can't get closer to it. But, you know, sitting there and analyzing yourself and looking at the days that you've had, look at just one day and say, did this day in any way contribute? To my happiness, to me getting close to that goal. If it didn't, then stop asking the question, "Why aren't I attaining my goals?" You already know the answer, <laughs> right? You've got to, you've got to, you've got to get a little bit serious with yourself sometimes, and and call bullshit when you see it, because it's very easy to sit there and play the victim and say, "Well, somebody else got their goals and achieved their success because they had it easier than I did." I, I don't know anyone that's that's ever achieved anything notable and uh, it was easy.
2: Mm. Talking about things not being easy, I know, you know, Gandhi had a bit of a struggle and a, and a quote that I... I a little um, bit of a struggle, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just a small one, you
1: know. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Pretty rough days, yeah.
2: Just uh, turning the other cheek again and again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there was a quote of his which lines up exactly with what you're just saying now is that, um, is, you know, happiness is not just, you know, it's not it's it's lines up when you when what you think is the same as what you say, is the same as what you do, you know, and all that lines up in harmony, you know, and it's like I think so many of us are consistently talking about doing something bigger, dreaming about doing something bigger. Yeah. But um and I am sure you and I are probably both guilty of the same thing, um yeah. you know, mm-hmm. of having mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. thought through things and going, you know, like this is gonna happen. Um but yeah, how you know, how does one go about bringing that happiness into their life and bringing their day-to-day up to that to that frequency that they want to take charge with and, you know, how do they get out of their head a little bit more and actually start doing?
1: Yeah, well, I think the first step is being brutally honest with yourself. Now, I, I never advocate for beating yourself up. It, uh, <laughs> it, it, it never makes people better when they sit there and berate themselves and give themselves a hard time because it makes them then want to kick that on down the line to the next person that comes to them, you know, if they don't, uh, uh, reach their level of expectation, then all of a sudden they've got to pass that guilt on and that shame onto somebody else. So I don't advocate that, but, but getting honest with yourself is really important because the, you know, there's something it's a, it's a little bit, um, arbitrary. It's, it's hard to explain what it is, but your true self, right. And I think your true self is Probably that quote that you just mentioned then from Gandhi, when you what you think, what you say, and what you do are aligned, um, you start understanding your true self um but I, I I think that you know it's a really difficult one, but you have to look at your intention and and your attention every day, where you're putting your intention, where you're putting your attention, because goals are not, you know, it's not just for dreams, not for the, just for the dreamers. I've heard that somewhere. I can't remember who said that, but, you know, you've got to take dreams from dreams to, to real goals and, uh, and you've got to set things down. You, you've certainly got to, to plan things out, um, and you've got to get outside of your comfort zone. Like, I think it's, it's something that is really, really important because, you know, you can't expect that anything will change when you wake up on the same side of the bed every morning, you get out and you go to the bathroom the same, you eat the same breakfast, you jump on the same bus or train, you walk into work and you give everyone the same smile and good morning. You can't expect that your day is going to be any different to the day it was before. So sometimes you've got to get curious and you've got to try something a little bit different. Tim Ferris. Uh, on one of his podcasts was talking about he, he did, he set up these tests for himself where he would do everything opposite to what he would normally do. So he was in a sales job at the time and his sales, he would normally hit his sales from let's say 9 a.m. till 11 a.m. and then take a break for lunch and then from three to five. That was his sales calls. And he said, fuck it, for, for one whole week or one whole month, I'm going to make all of my sales calls from four o'clock of an afternoon till eight o'clock at night and see what happens. And he blew himself away that he had better results because the 99 percentile were all doing the same thing. And he decided to swim against the stream and do something a little bit different. So I think that, you know, whoever said that curiosity killed the cat was full of shit. And uh, I think it wasn't curiosity that killed the cat. Yeah. It was it was certainty and, and and needing to do the same thing over and over and over to be comfortable every day.
2: Mm I really find that Tim Ferris example really poetic because it's got this idea that you know it's not just um because it's not just doing the same thing over and over again but it's even just doing the same thing that you know that's like society's programmed that way. You know, like everybody that he went to work with was doing like making the calls between nine and five. We're yep. all doing that, and there's there's no questioning it. It's just like this is just the way it's done. This is how we're going to make it happen. Um, alas, someone stops and goes, "Wait, I'm just going to do it slightly differently," and he just trumps every like he just trumps everybody's no results. Yeah. Yeah, there's not, because everybody, like, when you think about it for a second, it's like, oh, sure, that makes a whole bunch of sense because obviously everybody else that I'm trying to market to or make cold calls to is working nine to five as well. While I'm working nine to five, they're obviously busy. But if I catch them before or after they go to work, they're available, you know? Um, But there's that clear, I think that for me, that really highlights that, you know, so many of us are doing so many things just out of the idea that this is how they're done. You know, um, a massive mentor of mine is, uh, do you know Vishen Likiani, Mind Valley?
1: Yes. ah, oh, love that guy. I was meant yeah. to go in August, actually. I was meant to go with some friends, and for whatever reason, I couldn't make it. But uh, yes, I do. I'm very inspired by that guy.
2: Oh, brother, I've got some news for you. So, um, me and my partner, we're the Mind Valley Masters of Melbourne, and so Australia. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, so we're oh, the representatives no of Mind Valley. Yeah, yeah. And wow. it's been an absolute. Yeah, it's it's, it's an absolute blessing because he is, for me, one of the most inspirational people on the planet. Um, Oh, I'm a huge fan.
1: (laughs) uh,
2: I totally had a direction I was going with, and then I, I totally forgot because I'm just so in awe of the guy. But anyway, oh yeah, that's where I was going. So he mentions this thing about brules, which you're obviously aware of, which is just... He calls them bullshit rules, right. which are just, you know, I just, and I, I look at it as in like, you know, I, I sometimes look at my skin and it's just like I peel back layers of just social stuff that's just been like programmed on top of the top layer of your surface being yep. um, are these bullshit rules. Yeah. And I think we just, we, we take on so many of them and he talks about them in a way of a spiritual awakening as well. But I think that's kind of what you're alluding to here is that, Absolutely. you know, there's just so much we're taking on.
1: Well, we are, you know, and I think it's it's one of those things. If if you really want to achieve your goals, and you have to do something different. You've got two options: you do the same thing that everyone else is doing better than them, or take a different path. Right? There's many different gateways to 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 lead onto the same courtyard, you know, and you need to to look at that. So, again, that the the old adage of curiosity killed the cat. I I, I just don't think it was the you know curiosity that killed the cat. I think it was doing the same shit every day hoping for a different result which which bored the cat to death right so i think that you know sometimes you've got to get out of your own way and look at different ways of doing things and i think it's it's sometimes not even as much about doing things differently as reacting differently to the outside of, uh stimulus as well right because that sometimes is is it's not in our control us doing something different is in our control, but what happens around us is not in our control ever at all, like ever. And, and so how we react to what goes on around us is probably maybe even more powerful than, than doing something different and being curious. Right.
2: Yeah, totally. It's a very, um, I can feel the, the stoic sort of quality to, to, to that, that idea, which is, you know, at any given time, I can't always control what's happening to me, but, um, how, how I feel and respond in a certain situation is um, is is totally in my control. I do want to come back to that actually, but um, oh yeah, there's always so many directions I can go when I'm loving the conversation. We <laughs> like can pick a path
1: um, novel. We can go. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, I guess okay. I'll I'll ask. I guess changing state and controlling your emotions. I know you've uh, you uh, you're a big Big advocate of gratitude and also forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, and for me, forgiveness is you know has been a hard one. You know, it's it's sure. gratitude it's is something that's yeah, you know, gratitude is something that you know. Again, I went to Tony Robbins on the weekend, and I know you've you yeah, you absolutely adore him too. Yeah, absolutely, um, and uh, yeah, and he talks about how you know when you are holding gratitude, you can't hold anger or sadness at the same time in your being. You know, so gratitude is just this absolute reset, and you just you know you change your state. That's the whole. Tony Robbins thing, but I'd love it if, you know, we could explore forgiveness, bro. Like, you know, you talk about, um, yeah, this you, know, you talk one. about, it is, isn't it? Um, but, you know, in terms of, yeah, allow, allowing things to control in your state and not allowing things to come in your way and, you know, being like in that stoic nature of, you know, yeah, things will happen to me, but I control how I feel about them. You know, obviously you've, you know, got quite a bit of experience under your belt and um, you've done a lot of things and so how does... You know, allowing things to, I guess, letting go
1: even. Um, so I suppose that the first thing is that, you know, like forgiveness, um, like a metaphor for forgiveness is like you're carrying around this heavy stone and it becomes quite normal and you just struggle walking around with this stone every day. And when you discover forgiveness, you discover that you can actually put that stone down at any time and my God, do you feel light? and sprightly, and energetic when mm. you put that down. So, forgiveness is probably, you know, if if I could give anyone advice for a single step, which will up your game tenfold, it's learning forgiveness. Because there's just some things that you just have to let go of. And, and it comes back again to, you know, ego. It comes back to identifying. The ego is vying for your attention all day, every day. And we're all humans, and we all listen to it, and we buy into it. But your ego will be hurt by everything that happens all day, every day. And you've got to really step away from that and, and say, I am not my ego. So like forgiveness, it's, it's really, really important that you understand that. And, um, it ties into business as much as it does to relationships and as much as it does to back into certainty, which we touched on before, certainty you don't know what's going to happen to you. All you can control is how you deal with whatever's happening to you. So, you know, if you have a high degree of embracing uncertainty, you're going to lead a different life to someone who has a high degree for certainty, who needs to know how things are going to happen all the time. And that certainty is expectation. I expect that Amrit will treat me this way. And if he doesn't, by God, I'm going to be angry with him. And I'm just not going to let that go. How could he do that to me, right? So what I need to do is say, hey, maybe Amrit woke up this morning not feeling so great. And, uh, you know, how I perceived him treating me was not really his intent. Maybe, you know, maybe I can just let that go. Now, obviously, if there's patterns and patterns and patterns, then you need to decide, do you keep forgiving or do you just remove this person or or this situation from life? But I think forgiveness is probably the fastest way to up your game in life.
2: Listening to the way you coupled it in with business and also just your personal health made it really, um, really clearly identified it for me as a blockage. And you touched on it before in terms of, in terms of flow. And uh, I think I wanted to ask you then just for the listeners in terms of, um, you know, obviously Stephen Kotler and Jamie Will have the flow genome project, but, um, you know, uh, not everyone has, has the ability to tune into that. So, you know, what does, what, what does, uh, what is a flow state? Let's ask you, because you've had, um, you've had.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I spoke with, uh, Tony Floreal the other day, Floriel, and he has something called the Floreal Project. And, uh, he, he is just a real inspiration to, to me. His energy is, is out of this world. He's, uh, he's just (laughs) a really inspirational guy. Um, but he, you know, wasn't always that way. He, he had struggles with him himself daily as well, but he has now discovered uh, through his own kind of research and the, the flow, uh, genome project that there is a certain way to tap into this. And basically, you know, we live in these states these days where our very, very ancient brain, uh, is aware of everything that's happening around us and we doubt everything that's happening around us for our own survival. But we now live in this really safe society where, you know, you don't have to think about anything people walk down the street looking on the ground with earphones in and walk across crowded streets in front of cars knowing that cars will stop and not run them over like we uh are now living in a state where we have no real fear but we have this cortisol in our brain that is ready to numb us anytime we need to be and we sit you know under fluorescent lights uh in offices in cubicles for 12 or 14 hours a day and we are no longer there. Is no real external fear in our lives, and so we live these very prosaic lives, and they're very vacuous. And I I, I think that um, we are now basically feeding our brains on all this cortisol rather than serotonin and oxytocins and neoepi- uh Nor, oh, it's the toughest word. Uh, give me a second. Nor, oh, no, I'm not going to even try it. That that was the second attempt at it. Nor ep- nor Um Anyway, so there's five different chemicals that allow us to get into a flow state, and these are the happy chemicals. And it's it's when we get out of our own head and truly live in the moment uh, that we get into these flow states. And people are, you know, traveling around the world, jumping out of planes, uh, swimming with sharks, doing anything they can to get these states.